It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Welcome into Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. No Canty, no Carlin today. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Jordan Cornett. And Jordan, we've got a series. The Denver Nuggets, they took game one. They looked like they were ready to take game two. Miami down by as many as 15 last night. They were down by eight going into the fourth quarter. And historically, that's a good spot for the Nuggets. Denver was 11-0 and in these playoffs when leading by double digits at any point in the game. 37-1 this season overall when leading by at least eight going into the fourth. But yet again, Jordan, the Heat found a way. They scored 36 points in the fourth quarter. They take game two, 111-108. The series heads to Miami for game three. And we have a ton to break down about game two. We're going to talk about... Miami's defensive adjustments. We're going to talk about Jokic's 41-point effort and, of course, heat culture. But, Jordan, first things first, you were all over this. You have been telling people this was coming from the Miami Heat. So I'm going to give the floor to you to kick things off. Tell us why you had confidence in Miami last night. Well, Michelle, it's going to be rocking with you here for the next uh, handful of hours. And it's great to start a show with you telling me, hey, tell the world why you were right. Uh, It doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm not afraid to lean into it. So I appreciate the floor. Uh, Look, in watching watching game one, Michelle, there there was a, a very clear distinction that stood out to me. And it was very simple. The quality of shot in which Miami was getting was infinitely better than the shots Denver was getting. And that was by design. Coach Malone basically said, I dare the others from Miami to beat us. We're going to take away Jimmy Butler, and they did. They didn't let Jimmy in game one get to the free throw line. They allowed clean look after clean look for Robinson, for Struess, for Martin, and they didn't deliver. Two of 26 from beyond the arc. I knew coming into game two, Coach Malone would still ride that wave of, Maybe not give them as open of looks, but still, let's see if those guys can beat us. And in watching Struess, in watching Robinson, and watching Martin all season long, and Martin more so in the postseason, I knew these guys would answer the call. Why I believed in them to answer the call, Michelle, was their leader, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's uncanny leadership is not getting talked about enough. It's all about how he's performed on the floor. But what I saw from Jimmy Butler, what I heard from Jimmy Butler after game one, was what made me believe the Heat aren't only going to cover, they're going to win game two. Jimmy Butler came out and said, these guys we win with. Struess, Robinson, Martin, they're going to get those same looks. And you know what? When they get those looks in game two, they're going to hit them. Because you know what I'm still going to do? I'm going to hit, drive my spot. I'm going to deliver to those guys because they're going to make them. The pressure that that alleviates from those guys to go out there and play is massive. Now, what happened, Michelle? Those guys went out there and hit those shots. Not only did they hit those shots, they carried Jimmy Butler in what was a lackluster performance from him. He had a relatively quiet night, and these guys delivered. Beyond that, they were way more physical as well. I mean, this was a Miami team that played the way I expected them to. 
Well, let's hear from Jimmy Butler. He was asked last night how the Heat were able to pull off the comeback. I don't think there's a secret sauce to it. I think we just move the ball, pass the ball to the open guy, um, and play some simple basketball, a lot like they do as well. Um, and we made shots. That's what this league is. That's what this game is. Make or miss game. Make or miss league. Um, we made some shots. They did it. And one thing, Jordan, too, that you touched on there that we should expand on, and Jimmy Butler didn't have the prolific stat line that we've seen in other playoff games from him this season. But this was a full team effort from the Miami Heat. Yeah, no question. And it, it goes back to Jimmy's right. It's it's a make or miss league. fact is they missed those shots game one. Those same shots were presented. They made them game two. But there's also adjustments from Coach Spo, electing to, to have Caleb Martin come off the bench to go for the bigger Kevin Love, a move I didn't anticipate him making because usually Spo stays the course. But Spo then came out and said, I should have did it game one. I should have put Kevin Love in there for the size. Kevin Love delivered some important minutes for this group. Kevin Love may not be the explosive guy he was before, and when you look back at Cleveland, they didn't believe he could provide that lift in the playoffs, thought he was too long in the tooth. But what Kevin Love still is is a winner, a competitor, and one heck of a rebounder with an outlet pass that is incredible that only Wes Unseld uh, is comparable to, the late, great Wes Unseld. Now, now, Kevin Love coming out there, playing the way he played, gave this group yet another lift. But it also presented what was also a difference, Michelle, I think you'd agree, how physical this group was. And in terms of first game, and maybe it's because they were still tired coming off of game seven with Celtics and that tough matchup, but the size and the strength and physicality of Denver overwhelmed them game one. That was yet another adjustment Miami made. Their election uh, to, to put Jimmy Butler defending on Jamal Murray was massive as well uh, because Jamal Murray, as Steve Kerr alluded to in his conversation with Draymond Green that's getting run, they believed that was the head of the snake. Nicole Jokic is going to get his, but let's go and try and throw a little bit more at Jamal Murray and that had an impact. And now you find with Miami making their shots, this is now a Denver team that had to be in scramble mode. And that was apparent the majority of that game. Well, let's stick with Nikola Jokic for a second. You mentioned he got his shot up, shots up 41 points for Joker last night. But the Miami Heat were able to make some adjustments and disrupt his ability to facilitate. He, he didn't get the passes that he normally gets, which really impacts his overall production and how his Denver team responds. What did you see from a defensive standpoint from Miami and how were they able to disrupt Joker? Well, so a lot of conversation today is being had about the exchange between Coach Spo and the great Ramona Shelbourne. And for good reason. I don't understand why you had such a terse response from Coach Spo, who's usually very calculated, very respectful in his approach. And Ramona is as respected in NBA circles as any. So it was very off-putting to see out-of-character Eric's Eric, Coach Spo respond like that by saying it was the untrained eye when Ramona asked that question of, mm-hmm. are you trying to make him more of a scorer as opposed to a passer? I didn't like how Spo responded to it. It was dismissive. It wasn't fair to somebody who deserves the respect because Ramona does a fantastic job. What Spo meant by the untrained eye, it was a little aggressive because the majority of people that are watching haven't played. That doesn't negate their ability and knowledge uh, to assess the sport, but certain things you just can't know. And what Spo was saying there about the untrained eye, they weren't doing anything different defensively to make Joker a scorer as opposed to a passer. Quite simply, they blitzed Jamal Murray. This was the story. They blitzed Jamal Murray a little bit more, which then had Murray giving up the ball and ball screens a little bit more quickly, which put Joker 
in more scoring opportunities. So that's why you saw him scoring much more. But it wasn't about the Heat and what they did defensively. It wasn't as simple as let Joker score and not be a passer. To Spo, that was a lazy observation. But lazy isn't accurate. It's just not what everybody can see because not everybody has the trained eye of a guy like Spo. And so Ramona is covering the sport. Ramona probably knew that answer. But the masses that are watching the game do not. So what he should have just said was exactly that. We were blitzing Murray. In blitzing Murray, that put Joker into a position coming off the ball screens in more scoring opportunities to score more as opposed to passing more. So in a way, it was a little bit of that, but the reason why wasn't as clear as as simply stated as, oh, no, we wanted him to be a scorer, not a passer. It's what they did defensively that caused that domino effect. Well, let's hear from Eric Spolstra, the Heat's head coach. This is from Sunday. Eric Spolstra was asked about Nikola Jokic and how he would defend him. Here's what he had to say. Hey, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when teams play against Jokic, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. He only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. Twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a scorer. That's not how they play. They, they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. We have to focus on what we do. You know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Man, we, he has our full respect. Obviously the full respect, Jordan, uh, the comments that you were talking about there, but I think credit to Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat for identifying a way to disrupt Joker. And, I mean, you're going to have to stop the bleeding in some way, shape, or form. Even though Eric Spolstra said to the untrained eye, it looks like we're just taking away this component of his game and it's more than that. It seems to be something that worked for them last night. Yeah, I, I just hate that Spo dressed it that way. And I, I would I would bet on, knowing the class act that Spo is, understood he was out of pocket for addressing it that way uh, because there was some truth, uh, honestly, uh, to his answer in terms of that is what they were doing, but indirectly. Miami, to repeat, they didn't change their coverages. Miami did exactly what they've been doing, but they added the element of, hey, Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray, the head of that snake, blitzing him a little bit more, which made Jamal Murray then give up the ball a little bit quicker, which put Joker into scoring opportunities as opposed to passing opportunities. So that's why you got those inflated scoring numbers from Joker. But it was nothing that Miami did defensively in terms of, let's make Joker a scorer not a passer. You can't approach the game like that against a guy like Joker unless you do what they did, which was the game changer defensively. Blitz Jamal Murray, ball out of his hands, put Joker into the scoring opportunities, which he didn't have the luxury of looking to pass. He was then immediately put into, because Jamal gave it up faster, to score the basketball. He's Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, and it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, Jordan, we heard from Eric Spolstra. Let's hear from Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, who was none too pleased after the Miami Heat even the series last night. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10-2 to two Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. And we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. This is not round. This is the NBA Finals. 
And that to me is really, really perplexing, disappointing. So what do you think, Jordan? The Miami Heat, especially in the fourth quarter, they shot 68.6%. They scored 36 points. When you assess the game last night, do you think it was a lack of effort at any point from the Denver Nuggets? No, I think what happened was they were in scramble mode. They had blown a few coverages because the same thing that showed face in game one ended up showing face but in a productive manner in game two. And that was – and my belief in why I thought Miami would win – is Miami got those looks in game one. And lucky for Denver, they missed those. Now, Malone said that after the game one win. He said, we dodged a bullet. We didn't play well. We gave up looks. Mm -hmm. That carried over into game two, and those shots became makes, which then put the Denver team into scramble mode, and they got exposed. I think the effort was there, even though you heard from players that maybe said it wasn't. I don't think that's the proper assessment. Beyond that, I absolutely hate that Coach Malone came out there and and addressed his team and – and undressed his team publicly like that. And look, that is what he's done in in past moments. You don't know how certain guys respond. Your personnel are motivated. But I'll say this. This is the NBA Finals, and you can't have a panic button be pressed publicly like that. That's something that needs to be kept within the walls of that young team and addressed post-game, not to the media, within the walls of the locker room. Because, again, Going back, Michelle, to Miami, and what I love about this group is they talk about heat culture. There's Mm -hmm. a unified, fortified belief in themselves even back against the wall. They go up 3-0. They lose three in a row to Boston. You know what Spo and Jimmy both get up there and say going into game seven, heading to Boston? We're good. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't have those answers for you, but we're going to do it. And I think if you thrust Malone in that position, if that was the Nuggets, I I think he's hitting the panic button again. And that's what's propelled these Heat to go out there, go win in Boston Game 7, come out, get throttled the majority of Game 1 of the NBA Finals, make a late push in the fourth quarter, but still it always felt like it was Denver's game. Well, what happens after that? You then have, again, Jimmy Butler, I believe in my guys despite their abysmal shooting. You have Coach Spo get up there and say, we believe in our group. There's no panic button pressed. And that alleviates pressure from guys who haven't been there. Guys for the Nuggets, they too haven't, some of them, been there before. So I hate that Malone's coming out there and saying, we need more energy. He thinks he's motivating, but I think he's creating dissension in a locker room when this group needs to be unified heading on the road to Miami. And as a, as a head coach, you know, or at least you should know, especially at this point, the best way to extract what you need from your team and from individual players. But I'm with you, Jordan. I think it is a risk to after a loss in the NBA Finals, the first loss that Denver's had at home this postseason, so you don't know how they're going to react to that, to come out and say that you're not seeing effort from them. And were, were there guys that you would want to see more from last night? Sure. You're going to need more from KCP. You're going to need more from Michael. Porter Jr. and he didn't call out players individually but I just thought that that was a risk especially when as you just pointed out you look across the way at the Miami Heat and they have had the same sentiment this entire time I have not seen any ounce of panic from any of these guys from Eric Spolster they're not super demonstrative you don't see them raising their voice the energy is almost even keel the entire time except for Eric Spolster after game six when you see him banging the table a little bit because he was ready to play game seven seconds after the game was over but you just you're facing an opponent that doesn't sweat when the lights are shining the brightest. So for you to call out your team, I'll be interested to see how Denver responds in Game 3. And that's it, right, Michelle? Like, how are they going to respond? If they respond 
you know, swimmingly, and they come out there and they look re-energized and the, the fire reignited and they're they're playing with their hair on fire, then, look, that's Coach Malone's team. Michael Malone knows best how to motivate those guys. But from somebody who's not in the locker room, which is a caveat worth mentioning, but to me it feels like that's not a button to push at this point. This is the biggest stage. All the eyes are on this group, and that is what I believe has propelled Miami to be in the place where they are so together, they are so connected, they are so resilient. And all I've heard from Malone since they've come in here in these NBA Finals in a win in Game 1 and in a loss in Game 2 is he's been irate, and he's been negative about his group. I think you need to, and again, I know they're millionaires, I know they're grown men, but there's something to be said about positivity at this point. You've got to have this group feeling like, hey, we are the controllable. It's about us, not about the other team. And what I feel about us is I believe in us. That's why we're here. We didn't ha- Maybe approach it this way. We didn't play with the energy we need to, but I know this group will when we get to Miami. The answer to the question comes from the coach, which then leads to a belief. Maybe I'm watching too much Ted Lasso, Michelle. Maybe that's where I'm at. I don't know. But I just know it works for Spo, it works for Jimmy B, and it has the Heat as an eight seed, feeling like they've taken a little bit of momentum in this series, stealing one on the road. So you need, you're telling me Denver needs to put up a believe sign in the locker room and hit it before they head out to the floor? It got ripped up, and you know what? I don't want to give any spoilers away, but you found that sign again, didn't you? The belief matters. It matters. It does, and you're telling me, too, it seems like that Denver needs a little heaping of heat culture, and we've gotten to this point in the show without mentioning heat culture, but Jordan, this is a real thing. For as much as we, uh, as some people like to mock it and, and make it a little bit of a joke, heat culture is a real team. This team on paper really has no business being here. They're an eight seed. They don't have Tyler Hero. They don't have Oladipo. They've played teams that are so much better than them on paper, teams that are heavily favored. They They've had insane losses like we saw in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals and they find a way to win. They just won't go away. Yeah, and and, and to me, you've got to have both coach and player that present that. So if you get it from Spo, that's great. But you've got to have somebody that has that alpha mentality that is that galvanizing uh, piece that's on the floor. And Jimmy Butler May not be the biggest star in the series because that is the Joker. Joker's the best player in the world. But in terms of leadership, galvanizing leadership, when you're back against the wall type leadership, that on tens is Jimmy Butler that presents that for his group. He's Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to be talking about Game 2 all afternoon. But coming up next, will the Vikings find a trade partner for Dalvin Cook? We're going to ask our front office insider next after Jordan has this from FanDuel. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canteen Carlin Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette with you today on ESPN Radio. That's presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to continue to talk about the NBA Finals and the Miami Heat's big Game 2 win throughout the show. But now let's talk a little NFL. And we welcome in Mike Tannenbaum. Excuse me, Mike Tannenbaum Cornette. He is the the third Cornette, our ESPN front office insider who joins us. So, Mike Tannenbaum Cornette, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for getting my name correctly. I'm a proud (laughs) member of uh, the Cornette family that's growing and uh, burgeoning and uh, proud to be I don't know, number number four or five at this point, Jordan. I don't even know what number I am. Well, uh, Mike, your, your your mortgage check is due, my friend. Uh, <laughs> expenses are kind of tight with the latest child in the household, so we need some of that Tannenbaum money to help out the Cornette family. But the reason why we've added the Dash Cornette, those who listen on Sundays knows that Mike gives us two of our best segments every football Sunday. He's an honorary member, Michelle, of the Cornette family. He is actually the patriarch. I've, I've been relegated down. Shay enjoys him more than me. So he carries more weight in the Cornette household. <laughs> well, I love that. Well, well I don't know co- if I'm... <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say I don't know if I'm salary cap friendly, but I'm, I'm proud to be a member of the team. <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, the Cornets are obviously a dynasty. When we talk about about great teams, the Cornets are one of them. The Kansas City Chiefs are are. M- potentially currently a dynasty, if not on their way to being one. And Travis Kelsey recently was talking about his team, and he was on FanDuel TV, and he was talking about how he thinks when it's all said and done that the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they're actually going to have more championships than the Warriors and their dynasty, Steph, Clay, and the entire gang. So, Mike, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, which team do you think out there is the biggest threat to them being a dynasty? You know, I think it's the Chargers, Michelle, and here's why. I think Justin Herbert has the physical ability to stand there toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. He's gone into Kansas City and has already beaten them. And when you look at the injuries that the Chargers have had, you go back last year, their talented left tackle, Rashawn Slater missed 14 games. Joey Bosa missed a lot of games. J.C. Jackson, the big free agent acquisition from the Patriots, missed a lot. So if they can stay healthy, I think they're going to win the division, but in one game, 
I could see the Chargers going into Kansas City and, and winning a playoff game. Well, Mike, we all know the biggest threat uh, to Kansas City is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we'll overlook that you went Chargers there. But I, I do want to talk about the Bengals, and I'm not fitting them in here in rigid fashion. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the Bengals getting a deal done with their prized piece in Joe Burrow, uh, what that contract will look like, how seamlessly that gets done. What is your take on Joe Burrow and the Bengals' marriage lasting long into the future? Yeah, that's job one, two, and three. And they'll be right there with the Chargers and the Chiefs for a long time. And, look, I think with Joe Burrow, what you say is like, look, you're going to be here. We all know that. And the verb isn't spend. The verb is to allocate. So, Joe, the more we allocate to you, look, T. Higgins, um, is he going to be here? We know Jamar Chase is going to be there. So, you know, you look at what happened with Kansas City. They did a great job. They moved on from Tyreek Hill, still won the title and something's going to have to give. So I would be sitting on the same side of the table as Joe Burrow just talking about a resource allocation discussion. So, Mike, put me at ease here, and I know I'm putting the cart before the horse because we've got to take care of Joe Burrow, like you said, one, two, and three. But there is four, five, six, and that is T. Higgins. That is Logan Wilson. That is Jamar Chase. Is there enough money for this core of guys all under the age of 25, 26 to be kept there in Cincinnati to keep this group in position every season to fight for championships and maybe Super Bowls one day? Yeah, I, I think there is. You know, everyone's going to have to leave a little on the table. You know, if Logan Wilson wants to be the highest-paid linebacker or Jamar Chase wants to be the highest-paid receiver, like, you know, someone like T. Higgins is probably going to have to graduate. It happens. You know, we saw Matthew Judiana have to leave Baltimore, Joe Tooney leave the Patriots. Like, good players leave teams, like, that happens. Um, but what I would talk to all of them about is, like, we have a chance of doing something really, really special here. We were within a whisker of winning a Super Bowl and close to getting back to another one. The longer we can keep this nucleus together, the better our chances of doing something special. Our ESPN front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum Cornette, joining Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. And, Mike, speaking of players leaving their teams, what's going on with the Vikings and Dalvin Cook? Do you think they'll be able to trade him, and where do you forecast him landing? Yeah, I, I think they can. He's a really talented back. But, you know, when you look at how that team's built, uh, beat Alex Madison, they, they have other running backs that are talented and it just seems like it's a position that they don't believe they have to pay a lot of money for and that they can rotate through. And that's certainly been the trend of the league. I don't think it's by coincidence that we look at Tony Pollard in Dallas. We look at Josh Jacobs in Vegas. We look at Saquon Barkley with the Giants all getting franchised. And I think Dalvin Cook is maybe right below that level. And that's why I think they're saying, hey, you know what? We don't have to pay all this money to a running back. We could go more by committee one year at a time, and I think he'll be available. And maybe a team like the Miami Dolphins, he's from South Florida, you know, that could be a fit there. i got to talk about Jordan Love taking over the baton there in Green Bay from Aaron Rodgers, who's moved on to the big city. Uh, And it's timely because Romeo Dobbs has come out and said, uh, in response to a question, said, I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was great, but I believe Jordan can do the exact same thing. So I don't really see – what the big difference is. Now, Mike, nobody's stupid here. Of course, you're going to have a guy build up his quarterback like Romeo's doing in Jordan Love. Uh, so I guess the question is not a surprise that Romeo said that, but do you believe Jordan Love can go out there, not necessarily be Aaron Rodgers, but be great for the Green Bay organization? 
Yeah, I think he can over time. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but I think when you look at all the young players they have on defense, they drafted Lucas Van Ness this year. I think they have one of the best corners in Jare Alexander that's a little bit under the radar nationally. And they got two great running backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think this is a team that can make the playoffs this year because it's the NFC. I don't think they'd have a chance in the AFC, but I, I like Jordan Love a lot, Jordan, and I think he'll play – really good football over time, and maybe he's top 15 in year one. He is. He has a chance to be really good. And if I'm the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, thank him for his services, but that's in the rearview mirror. And everything is about how we can win with Jordan Love and with nine first-round picks on defense. They have a good nucleus there. Great information from our ESPN NFL front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum Cornett. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Mike. All right, I'll be home for dinner, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Jordan, d- give us a scouting report on Mike as a family member. Uh, Mike's great. Uh, you know, the house, we pride the Cornet household on being filled with love. Uh, you talk to Mike, you feel the warmth, you feel the passion, the charisma. He fits in great. Um, we love to talk NFL in this household all the time. Mike never turns it off. Uh, so he fits in great. He could do better with taking the trash out and the dishes. Uh, not necessarily a contributor there, but like you said, he's high-priced. So we're just happy to have him still in the, still in the home. We, we all have our areas of improvement, but it's good to know that Mike Tannenbaum <laughs> is a, a thriving member of the Cornette household. He's Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, we're going to get into those comments that Jordan alluded to from Romeo Dobbs. Plus, there's a new documentary out there that has us asking a specific question. We're going to get into all that next. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornett with you on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always get in touch with us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And we're going to want to hear from you this segment. 
So, Jordan, I don't know if you saw this, but there is this great documentary, and I say great because there is no doubt in my mind that we are going to collectively love this documentary. It's called Swamp Things. It's it's coming out soon, I believe, in August. It's going to be released in August, and it's going to highlight the 2006 through 2009 Florida Gators. Wow. So, we remember that era, Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, of course, Aaron Hernandez. There's a lot of drama that went on during that time. And I cannot wait to see this documentary. Yeah, I mean, look, people have been clamoring for this for so long because of obviously the personnel you just mentioned, Michelle. But there's a lot of just speculation on you could start with just Aaron Hernandez and who he was and the nefarious activity from him when he was there in Florida during that time. And then you go to the glass half full, more positive side with Tim Tebow's greatness, you know, the speech. Uh, mm-hmm. that lives on and is plastered there on the wall down there in Gainesville. Uh, just arguably a top five college football player of all time in terms of just college. Uh, don't want people to at me, just throw that out there. He was great. <laughs> That's all that we need to say. That part's interesting. Urban cultivating that dynasty there. There's a lot on the table, a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak. That'd be one heck of a watch. You you mentioned that there's like the the disparity between some of the bad stuff, the nefarious things, as you say, that were happening behind the scenes, and then uh, the positive in Tim Tebow. I think Jordan, back to that time, have we had the star power of one singular player in college football since Tim Tebow, the way that he commanded it? Because you know, I just think about that team, and the team collectively was good, and Urban, of course, was a star in his own right, but Tim Tebow. It was like it was Tebow mania. It translated to the NFL when he came to the NFL. But the media coverage about just that one player and him being able to match the star power that he had off the field, on the field. I don't know if we've had anybody like Tim Tebow, and I don't know if we ever will again. No, I mean, it was it was the confluence of the intersection of all things polarizing. I mean, he was a handsome guy. He was charismatic. He played the position that's the most uh, – it's it's the most spotlighted position in all of sport, arguably, uh, being a quarterback. And it was for a team that was year in and year out uh, battling for national championships with arguably at the time uh, one of the best coaches in the game at Urban Meyer. Maybe at that time, some would say the best coach in college football at that time. So it all came together perfectly for him. He had his Heisman moments. He had the imagery with, you know, different moments where he's charged up the speech after the loss and then the bounce back and the tear that group went on, all of it came together for, yeah, you're right, Michelle, I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't know if anybody held everybody's attention for the duration like Tim Tebow did when he was a college athlete in Florida. So we're talking about Swamp Things, a documentary that's coming out in August that's going to highlight the 2006 through 2009 Florida Gators. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We want to hear from you. Is there a sports documentary that you would like to see that does not exist? Same question to you, Jordan. If you could have a topic, whether it's a team or an event or a specific individual player, and have a documentary be made about them, is there one that doesn't exist that you want to see? Yeah, and it had to be multiple parts. And the one that I think of right away is the bubble with the NBA Ooh. in 2020. I, how they came to the dis- – uh, shutting down the NBA, which kind of was at the forefront of COVID and the outbreak, was when they decided to suspend play. Start that thing in Utah when they discovered that they were suspending the NBA. Give me the whole scramble to when they decided how they are going to keep it alive. The, the conversations in there about the decision to keep this thing going, players maybe – 
apprehensive about joining. Give me everything with the movement that went on during that time and the decision from teams maybe not to play, the dissension there. Give me Lou Williams leaving the bubble for lemon pepper wings. <laughs> I want that involved. Give me, I mean, give me J.R. Smith featured in this thing. How much he was out there chiefing. I want all of it. I want every facet of this thing that pays off with the championship from LeBron. And then just a few other ones quickly. A Pete Rose documentary I would mm-hmm. love. Wade Boggs, 107 beers on the flight I would love. Great. Ric Flair documentary. And Urban Meyer, 2021 Jacksonville. The, just the train wreck that was. I'm watching all of those, and if I could throw some in the ring, I I know there's already been a Tiger Woods documentary. I want a Tiger Woods documentary where he participates like Michael Jordan did in The Last Dance. I want to hear it from his point of view. And as a St. Louis girl, you know, Jordan, that I want the 30 for 30 about the Rams being ripped from St. Louis. Because if you want to talk about a juicy topic, that one's got it all, and I'm hoping that gets made at some point. He's Jordan Cornett. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And coming up next, Brian Windhorse was on Get Up this morning, and he had an interesting theory on what happened in Game 2 for the Denver Nuggets. We're going to explore that next, and you're going to hear from him. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.